Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work, and you can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you. Today we're going to be visiting with Mark Schulman. He is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events. Uh, we'll also visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education, and Jim McTegg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, and uh, also writes murder mysteries. They are terrific. Uh, we'll visit with Jim as well. It is September the 11th, and on this fateful day in 2001, at approximately 8.46 a.m. on a clear Tuesday morning, an American Airlines Boeing 767 loaded with 20,000 gallons of gas uh, jet fuel crashed into the North Tower of the World Trade Center in New York City. The impact left a gaping, burning hole in the 80th floor of the 110-story uh, skyscraper and instantly killing hundreds of people and trapping hundreds more in higher floors. As the evacuation of the tower and its twin got underway, television cameras broadcast live images of what initially appeared to be a freak accident. Then, 17 minutes later, the first plane hit. After that, a second Boeing 767, United Airlines Flight 175, appeared out of the sky, turning sharply towards the World Trade Center and slicing into the South Tower at about the 60th floor. The collision caused a massive explosion that showered burning debris over surrounding buildings in the street below. Of course, we were under attack. The attackers were Islamic terrorists from Saudi Arabia and several other Arab countries. Uh, reportedly financed by Saudi fugitive Obama bin Laden's al-Qaeda terrorist network. They were allegedly acting in retaliation for America's support of Israel, its involvement in the Persian Gulf War, and its continued military presence in the Middle East. No, nothing could justify what they did. Some of the terrorists have lived in the United States for more than a year and had taken out flying lessons at American commercial flight schools, in fact, uh, one up in Tampa. Others had slipped into the U.S. in the months before uh, September 11 and acted as a muscle in the operation. The 19 terrorists easily smuggled box cutters and knives through security at three East Coast airports and boarded four flights bound for California, chosen because, of course, they were loaded with fuel for the long transcontinental journey. Soon after takeoff, the terrorists commandeered the four planes and took the controls, transforming the ordinary commuter jets into guided missiles. As millions watched in horror the events unfolding in New York, American Airlines Flight 77 circled over downtown Washington and slammed into the west side of the Pentagon military headquarters at 9.37 a.m. Jet fuel from the Boeing 757 caused devastating inferno that led to the structural collapse of a portion of the giant concrete building. All told, 125 military personnel and civilians were killed in the Pentagon, along with all 64 people aboard the airliner. More than 15 minutes after the terrorists struck the nerve center of the U.S. military, the horror in New York took a catastrophic turn for the worse when the South Tower of the World Trade Center collapsed in a massive cloud of dust and smoke. The structural steel of the skyscraper, built to withstand winds of excess of 200 miles an hour, and large conventional fire could not withstand the tremendous heat generated by the burning jet fuel. At 10.28 a.m., the other World Trade Center tower collapsed. Close to 3,000 people died in the World Trade Center and its vicinity, including a staggering 343 firefighters and paramedics, 20 New York City officials, police officers, 37 Port Authority police officers who struggling to uh, complete an evacuation of the buildings and save the office workers trapped on higher floors. Only six people in the World Trade Center towers at the time of the collapse survived the fall. Almost 10,000 other people were treated for injuries, many very severe injuries. Meanwhile, a fourth California-bound plane, United Flight 93, was hijacked about 40 minutes after leaving Newark International Airport in New Jersey. Because the plane had been delayed in, uh, for takeoff, 
Passengers on board learned of the events in New York and Washington via cell phone and air phone calls to the ground. Knowing that the aircraft was not returning to the airport at the hijackers claimed, a group of passengers and flight attendants planned an insurrection. Uh, one of the passengers, Thomas Burnett Jr., told his wife over the phone, I know we're all going to die. There's three of us who are going to do something about it. I love you, honey, he said. After passenger Todd Beamer was heard saying, are you guys ready? Let's roll. Over the uh, open line, Sandy Bradshaw, a flight attendant, called her husband and explained that she had slipped into the gallery and was filling pitchers with boiling water. Her last words to him were, Everything's, everyone's running to first class, I've got to go, bye. <clears throat> the passengers fought the four hijackers and are expected to have attacked the cockpit with a fire extinguisher. The plane then flipped over and sped towards the ground at upwards of 500 miles an hour, crashing into a rural field in western Pennsylvania at 10.03 a.m. All 45 people aboard were killed. Its intended target is not known, but theories include the White House, the U.S. Capitol, Camp David, uh, presidential retreat in Maryland, and one other, and perhaps a nuclear plant along the eastern seaboard. At 7 a.m., President George W. Bush, who had spent the day being shuttled around the country because of security concerns, returned to the White House. At 9 p.m., he delivered a televised address from the Oval Office declaring terrorist attacks can shake the foundations of our biggest buildings, but they cannot touch the foundation of America. These acts shatter steel, but they cannot dent the steel of American resolve. In a reference to the eventual U.S. military response, he declared we will make no distinction between the terrorists who committed these acts and those who harbor them. Operation Enduring Freedom, the U.S.-led international effort to oust the Taliban regime in Afghanistan and destroy Osama bin Laden's terrorist network base there, began on uh, October the 7th, 2001. Bin Laden was killed in a raid at his compound in Pakistan by U.S. forces on May the 2nd, 2011. Shocking, terrible events. Again, change, I'm sure everyone listening to the show right now can remember where exactly where they were when they found about the, or heard the news. A terrible event. If you'd like to pay homage and remember uh, those who gave their lives during 9-11, uh, tonight at 6.30 to 8.30, there's going to be a candlelight vigil at Freedom Memorial Park at 1515 Golden Gate Parkway in Naples. Uh, that's the 6.30 to 8.30, and I uh, hope you'll consider attending. Well, another shocking news, more than 2,100 people were killed after a 6.8-magnitude earthquake struck North African country of Morocco early Saturday, with officials warning the death toll would likely rise as rescue teams searched through a number of mountain villages. The tremors were felt as far north as Portugal. The quake struck the High Atlas mountain range, roughly 50 miles south of the city of Marrakesh, with tremors felt throughout the western half of the country. While intense quakes are rare in this region, it's believed that the strongest in the region in 120 years, the country sits just south of the boundary between the Eurasian and African tectonic plates. A number of historic buildings were damaged, including a 12th century mosque built during the Berber period in North Africa, Officials said many of the mud and brick buildings and villages were susceptible to damage. I'm sure they probably all got destroyed uh, with no foundation. With a quick strike, uh, with a quake striking at 11 p.m. local time, many families, unfortunately, were in their homes. Well, this is just such a strange story. It just makes me wonder how many of our elected officials have ever read the Constitution. New Mexico Governor uh, Michelle Lujan Gresham's decision to declare a public health emergency and suspend concealed carry rights to be condemned on both sides of the political aisle. I support gun safety laws, California Democrat Ted Lieu wrote on X or uh, Twitter, the platform previously called Twitter. However, this order from Governor of New Mexico violates the U.S. Constitution. No state in the Union can suspend the federal constitution. There is no such thing as a state public health emergency except to the U.S. Constitution. Well, I don't agree with Ted Lieu and what he says on most things, but I certainly agree with him on that. Late Saturday, a gun rights group sued uh, Grisham in federal court, alleging her emergency order is unconstitutional. The National Association of Gun Rights sued on behalf of the Albuquerque resident Foster Haynes, asking the U.S. District Court in New Mexico to block imp implementation of the order. 
On Friday, Grisham suspended open and concealed carry of firearms in the city of Albuquerque for a 30-day period. The day before, she issued an executive order declaring a public health emergency over gun violence. She issued the order following the shooting of an 11-year-old boy outside a baseball stadium. Two New Mexico state representatives have called for an impeachment of Grisham over the public health emergency declaration. This emergency order violates the governor's oath to protect and defend the rights of New Mexicans and is illegal in nature, said Representative Stephanie Lord. The legislature is a duty to intervene where the governor is over, government is overstepping boundaries and Governor Grisham's order and comments disqualify her from continuing her tenure as governor. New Mexico State uh, Representative John Block said in the legislature would force a vote on the matter of impeachment. We can and will force a vote on this, Block said. There is no escaping. We, uh, the people, have our rights and they have been infringed upon by the governor. It would be great to see very quick action on this, perhaps just demonstrating the resolve of the American people on our rights because we've seen them infringed so often here in the last three or four years especially with this uh, so-called public health emergency of the uh, pandemic. On the third day of impeachment trial, suspended uh, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton of Texas, a former deputy attorney general who was fired for insubordination, who later sued, claiming wrongful termination, said he and other former staffers had no evidence let me repeat that they had no evidence to support their claim that Paxton allegedly committed a crime. The charges levered the 20 articles of impeachment brought by the House General Investigating Committee are based on unsworn statements provided by three witnesses who have so far testified in their impeachment trial, among others. They include charges of bribery, abuse of public trust, being unfit for office, among other allegations. Four articles were held in abeyance. On September the 30th, uh, 2020, prior to being fired or resigning, former OAG staffers uh, filed a complaint with the FBI alleging Paxton may have committed a crime involving an Austin real estate developer, Nate Paul. On Thursday, <clears throat> one of the fired staffers, former Deputy General, uh, uh, Attorney General for Legal Counsel, Ryan Vassar, testified that he and other staffers had no evidence to support the complaint they filed with the FBI, which is the basement of the impeachment articles. They have no evidence. They just believed a crime had been committed. Can you believe that? Well, we'll see how this survives in court. Lately, my confidence in the judicial system has been shaken dramatically, but um, hopefully, with no evidence, uh, this whole case will be uh, resolved and and Paxton will be found uh, innocent. Well, Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin announced uh, yesterday he has pardoned a parent who was arrested and charged with disorderly conduct at the August 2021 school board meeting that addressed his daughter being sexually assaulted in a high school bathroom. He made the announcement saying he officially pardoned Father Scott Smith on Friday. Smith of Loudoun County was convicted of disorderly conduct after he got upset with the school board members over their handling of the investigation into his daughter's attack. We righted a wrong, Yonkin said. He should have never been prosecuted here. That was a dad standing up for his daughter, the governor said about the incident that the school superintendent had covered it up. Thank you, Governor Yonkin. That is, uh, quite frankly, long in coming. He should have never been convicted. How he was treated was appalling. And, of course, we all saw it on the television. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, going to visit with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lula Bee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harden show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, going to be visiting with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now, we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia web- website. It's called HistoryCenter.com. I hope you check it out. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure, like usual. Thank you so much, Mark. By the way, Mark has been a guest on Monday morning almost without exception for the last, I'm going to say, at least 15 years. So we really appreciate his commentary. Uh, Mark, let's start off with uh, what's happened in Morocco, this terrible earthquake. Right, an absolutely terrible earthquake. And the situation where the buildings, of course, were not reinforced to deal with earthquake. It's the worst earthquake. Well, the last earthquake in Morocco was in 1960. Um, but the last, this is the worst one in 100 years. Mm. And so, of course, the death toll now is 2,000. It'll probably grow considerably beyond that as you know, bodies are pulled out from the rubble, etc. Uh, you know, it's an act of nature, a terrible act. The only thing that I can say on a political sort of level is the government of Morocco is refusing um, national aid from any other country. Really? They want to show they can, you know, which is really a sad thing. You know, it's, my, as my son said to me last night, it shows complete lack of, of political leadership to say you're not going to accept help in a situation like that. Right. You know, it's, uh, it's something that's way beyond, the, way beyond the ability of any one government to handle. Yeah. Certainly, you know, government of Morocco, and they're getting, you know, some NGOs are helping them and things of that nature, and they're accepting those sort of things, but the actual government help they refuse to accept, and and people are going to die as a result, because, you know, there are only so many trained people in Morocco, I'm sure, who are trained at finding people under, you know, under buildings when things like this happen. But in the world, there are a lot of people like that, and if you, you know, take, get help from from other countries, you can get a lot of help pretty quickly these days. So Absolutely. Yeah. And the sad thing is not just finding the people. We're talking about people who are now homeless, people who are hungry, who are injured. I mean, there's a, the, the, it's just a massive, massive, uh, horrible incident. So uh, that's just very strange. What's, what's, what's the reasoning? Why don't they want the help? They're trying to shift national identity. It's, you know, this thing about, you know, we can do it. We have a strong government and all those type of things, which is pretty insane, ultimately. We see that all over the world sometimes. We even see it in the United States. You know, I'm not sure the United States would accept it. It would help if, help if we had some sort of huge national disaster. We say, oh, we can do it, you know, but 
not the case. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, whatever you can say about world organizations and everything else, they have given a situation where people help each other when necessary, when terrible things happen that is beyond one's control. Yeah. Uh, that's what, you know, good neighbors are for, let's put it that way. And the world is full of some, you know, there are some bad neighbors, but most countries are good neighbors. They'd like to help because they want to be helped when their time comes. Well, I know we uh, we accepted help, even from Bangladesh and other countries during uh, Katrina. So uh, we're, right. we're not immune to doing that, but that's, that's a sad commentary. So let's uh, move to Ukraine. So Ukraine, a couple of interesting developments. Of course, number one, I mean, I say this every week, but it's true every week. Ukrainians are making pretty constant progress at this point um, in both the central and the southern battlefield. They're pushing back the Russians, you know, not patent-like grand moves, but every single day they capture a little more territory and push the Russians back further, and they've uh, penetrated the main Russian defense lines, and it seems like they've penetrated the second line as well. So uh, they're making that progress on a constant, constant basis. The Russians are running out of ammunition very quickly. They're, they used um, they used 500,000 shells in the last year, I believe it was, and they can only produce 100,000 a year. Hmm. So right now, Kim Jong-un from, South, from North Korea is on his way by train to Russia to meet with uh, Putin. Uh, the idea is that North Korea is going to supply the Russians with arms. I mean, just think of how upside and backwards this all is, right? Yeah. The Russians are getting arms from Iran. The Russians are getting arms from North Korea. They used to be the ones selling arms. Yeah. Uh, so it really is a, a backwards sort of effect. And, of course, neither of these countries really have the state-of-the-art sort of armaments that, the, that NATO and, and the United States has. Uh, so uh, we'll see. Uh, it seems like the United States is finally going to be giving... Uh, giving uh, the Ukrainians the long-range missiles that they've been asking for for a long time. It came out this week that um, the Ukrainians were about to successfully attack the Russian uh, fleet in uh, in Crimea at, at their main naval base. And at the last minute, uh, Elon Musk turned off the satellites so that they couldn't succeed in the uh, remotely controlled submarines just failed in their mission because they lost control of them. Hmm. So that's an interesting question here on multiple levels of why, you know, one individual having that power, whether you, whether you agree with the decision, you don't agree with the decision. The idea that a, that a individual who's not a government, who's not elected by anybody, etc., can make that decision is a bit frightening. It is frightening, and it is his private property, and uh, he can, you know, use it as he wishes as long as he doesn't uh, break the law. Well, but it gets a little complicated, because at this point, the U.S. government is paying him for using the Starlinks. In other words, the U.S. is, he's basically a military, um, you know, he's, he's a military contractor, so to speak. Uh-huh. Initially, initially, he gave it for free to the Ukrainians, but eventually the U.S. government picked up the, the tab, I believe. Oh. So he's a military contractor, I wasn't and yet he's making that. his own policy. So yeah, it's his own satellites, but, you know, he, he contracted to do certain things. I so, wasn't aware that he was being paid for it, so that's uh, that's an interesting wrinkle in the whole discussion. But you're absolutely right. I mean, it's uh, it's bordering on uh, raising a lot of questions about ethics for sure. Right, ethics and and concentration of power and who decides. It's very problematic. You know, uh, we we have a situation where a couple of people control. You know, if you look at him with in terms of Starlink uh, and of course Tesla and SpaceX, much more importantly, is really strategic asset of the United States today. SpaceX is. Then you look at Google and Apple and you know a few, five other companies and the amount of power the individuals who control those companies have. It's astounding when you think about it. You know, it it puts the robber barons to shame, to say the least. And I'm not talking about money right now. I'm just talking about the ability to influence so many different things with the decisions they make. Not only influence, but uh, command. <laughs> right. Well, I, I'm assuming that you know, yes, in in, in his case, this was commanding a situation. Yeah. I mean, but generally speaking, the influence that Google, Apple, uh, Facebook, and a few others can have on our lives is is astounding when you think about it. And um, it's a it's an issue, you know. People don't. If you believe in regulation or not, you got to wonder about some of these things and where we're going with it. Absolutely, Mark. Need to take a little break and you stick around. Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show 
here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Gulf Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Gulf Shore Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities with dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, Gulf Shore Playhouse is building a 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, the state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about this season's exciting productions... Visit GulfShorePlayhouse.org. That's GulfShorePlayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I just want to remind you of Sizzle Dining. It's a three-week promotional event. Uh, and it runs through the 27th of September. 55 participating restaurants in Naples. Great opportunity to find out more about uh, some of the great places to eat here in the Naples area. A dollar is donated from every lunch or dinner purchased for the blessings in a backpack, a backpack of uh, Southwest Florida. So uh, just check out the website. You can see the restaurants involved at sizzledining.com. Sizzledining.com. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's historycentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. So, Mark, uh, right now it's difficult to discern exactly what's going on in China and what the impact might be globally. What are your thoughts? Well, look, I mean, clearly there is no question that the Chinese economy is in trouble. Some could even say in free fall. Uh, so, obviously, that sort of puts a, a dent in their global aspirations, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. um, it's very hard to have the influence when suddenly people are saying, oh, wait a second, um, you, you know, your own economy isn't doing very well. And there's, you know, people for the longest time considered the, the Chinese economy is unstoppable. And now it just doesn't seem to be the case. So I think it's, um, it's a major issue at the moment. Um, and I think the Chinese um, are going to have to figure out you know where they go from here. Um, now, who, who's so, do, who's doing the figuring under those circumstances? That's the question. <laughs> yep, that's a very much a question. All right. And so that's you know, we shall see. You know, I've been the I've been the person saying for the last couple of months that we should stop worrying so much about China, at least at this point. Yeah. Um, and we'll see. Um, you know, it's sort of a mixed feeling for the world of the Chinese economy. Uh, is in trouble because they're also one of the biggest consumers in the world. And then we've had the other issue, which, of course, relating to Apple, and they sort of call, they sort of have said that Apple phones can't be used by the government and, and government ministries, and that's, of course, a major drop in Apple stock because China's a major market for Apple. But Apple also puts most of its phones together in China. So it's a complex relationship. That's the one thing we have to understand. It really is complex, and it's not black and white, and it's not like our relations with the Soviet Union, who we had very little trade with yeah. uh, during the Cold War. It's a very different relationship. So one uh, thing I so worry about, though, is many times when countries find themselves in these types of circumstances where there's tension developing with the people, is they'll look for uh, international affairs to get involved in that can divert the attention and change the scent of, uh, of what's happening in the, uh, in the uh, country. 
I mean, it's a problem, but I think it's less of a problem this day and age where people are more tuned into what's going on. I, I just don't really see it happening, but isn't it possible? You know, we always can. We should always fear that. No question about it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and any any comments about is anything developing with regard to uh, Evergrande? I guess it is. I think. And uh, the, you know, just to, you know, they're they were able to make some payments on their bonds this past week, so they didn't go into default again. Um, but it's not clear if they're going to be able to keep on doing that. Let's put it that way. That's yeah. their largest property developer in, in China. Yeah. So we'll see what, where that goes. Well, the summit in India. What are your thoughts and what happened here this past weekend? Well, a couple of things happened here, clearly. I mean, the, the summit in India showed some of the divides in the world where this is the G20, which theoretically includes both the uh, Russians and the Chinese. And Chinese Z did not come. And the, his stand-in, who was the, the um, prime minister, um, um, or, uh, premier, excuse me, Li Qing, did not have very many bilateral meetings with people and kept a very low profile, from what I understand. Um, and um, at the same time, a couple of things came out of it. One was this plan to build a, a, a rail and maritime link between India via via. Uh, the Middle East to Europe. It's sort of a, a, a response to China's Belt and Road uh, push. Mm -hmm. And that's got a, got an okay from all the countries there, and it's going ahead. Um, the countries are sort of a little bit divided when it came to Ukraine because the Indians don't want to upset the Russians, and so they came out with this bland statement that basically um, looked at the suffering of the Ukrainian people without saying anything really beyond that. Um, but uh, and of course the United States, uh, Biden then went to Vietnam, and um, America's relations with Vietnam have been particularly strong. And Vietnam and China have a, um, have a not a have had a rocky relationship. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. And you know the Vietnam it's an interesting sort of thing. You know you talk talking about winning and losing wars, etc. And sometimes you look at the two different situations in Iraq, for instance, it was a uh, tactical victory, but ultimately we lost the war. Um, in Vietnam, it was a tactical defeat, but in the end, we've ended up winning the war because Vietnam is now a capitalist country with close ties with the United States. Mm. So it's a strange sort of world in that way. Interesting. So, could, uh, could you comment at all on our, uh, our relationship with India and Hody? Yeah, well, we have a strong relationship. It's gotten stronger, especially as the Indians are concerned about the Chinese. And we're looking upon the Indians as a counterbalance uh, to the Chinese. Um, there's more and more, you know, the, the Indians, of course, uh, Indian Americans are making humongous contributions. I mean, the head of both Google and Microsoft are Indian Americans. Mm -hmm. And um, Apple has begun production of iPhones in India. Uh, again, so sort of a response in terms of China. Uh, so uh, the relationship is quite good. Just moving forward, um, I think without a question, um, Modi is a complicated guy and is a Hindu nationalist, which makes things a little more complicated, obviously. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have this problem all over the world, right? In other words, how much do we impose our values on these leaders all over the world in terms of democracy or, or human rights and everything else? And it's a, it's a balancing act. So he so seems to be to, to want to maintain uh, defined independence uh, and. Uh, it's it's interesting because India is the fastest growing major country in the world. I mean, unlike China, which is, has a limited uh, uh, population growth possibilities, I mean, India is exploding. Right, absolutely. So that that that's really um, the the the, uh, the situation more than anything else. India is growing. China is not. India can keep on growing, uh, but it's still India has a long way to bring millions, tens of millions of people out of poverty which China already has done. Hmm. So there's still, there really is no extreme poverty in China at this point. There still is extreme poverty in India. That is an interesting so, statement. I was not aware of that. I envision when you think about China, some people may choose to stay on the with the oxen and uh, and, and farm little uh, areas of land in, in, in China. I thought that uh, many people are uh, refusing to move to the cities. There are people who are staying on the, absolutely, but that's but they're not they're not in extreme poverty. Yeah, 
they're they have their land they grow their food they if they you know they left people to feed because a lot of people have left to guard the cities so they're doing okay i mean I, are they rich no but they're not living in extreme poverty yeah okay you know they're not like the underclass in india there there is real extreme poverty in india no question about it there is not extreme poverty anymore in china is the caste so, system still uh, in in force in india it's not enforced. I mean, certainly it's illegal, actually, but it still plays a, a clear role in society, without a question. Interesting. Mark so. Schulman, again, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Great for kids of all ages. I hope you check it out, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week, Bob. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Larry Reed, the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets for some great productions coming up. The website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Larry. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. We're headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, but our work takes us all over the country and sometimes abroad. We try to educate and inspire young people of high school and college age in ideas of individual liberty, free enterprise, private property, limited government, and personal character, and uh, our vibrant website, fee.org, is something that uh, adults and students appreciate uh, because of its daily fresh commentary. And we hold events in uh, colleges and on high school campuses all over the country. Fantastic organization. If you have somebody high school or college age in your life, I strongly recommend introducing them to this great organization. The website is fee.org, F-E-E.org. Larry, you wrote a piece about the Caribbean island that saved hundreds of refugees from Hitler's Holocaust after the major world powers balked. Maybe you could tell us about it. Okay. 
Yeah, this is an interesting story about a tiny country of just one and a half million people, uh, at least at that time. I think there's more there now. But in the 1930s, uh, the Dominican Republic stepped up to the plate. And at a time when uh, European Jews were on the run from Hitler, um, they were the only country that offered any sizable numbers uh, uh, haven for, uh, uh, to escape Hitler. And uh, it was at a time before World War One or two rather, uh, when uh, Jews were very much endangered. Hitler, of course, at home in Germany, had been um, rounding them up and arresting them, and um, the concentration camps uh, that are so notorious would come a little later. Uh, but nonetheless, Jews knew they were in great danger, but they couldn't get out of their countries uh, because no one uh, would accept them. And uh, there was a big conference in Evian, France, in July of 1938 to address the issue. Uh, but in the end, the 32 countries that were represented uh, didn't come up with any proposals or any offers. And it was at that time that... Uh, the Dominican Republic sort of stepped out and said, uh, well, we'll take 100,000. Wow, that, you, know, you just got to appreciate the leadership there. And my understanding is that Hit Hitler had actually revoked the passports of Jews in uh, Nazi Germany at the time. So there, you know, even if they wanted to travel, it would have been difficult. Very difficult and very costly, especially to get uh, halfway around the world to the Dominican Republic. And even though the DR said it would take 100,000, uh, only uh, about a thousand uh, were eventually able to make their way there, but the door was open, and um, that was quite a remarkable offer. A remarkable indeed, and an example for the rest of the world. Hopefully, it had some influence on other world leaders as well. Is there a, 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 a community or a, in the Dominican Republic a Jewish community community of these people that perhaps escaped and their families? Yes, uh, most of them settled in a place called Sashua, S-O-S-U-A, and on the north coast of the Dominican Republic, and they built a thriving Jewish community there with lots of businesses, uh, mm. a thriving dairy industry in particular. And, uh, uh, you know, the regime at the time in the Dominican Republic was a pretty nasty one, but uh, so you, it's hard to say that the dictator... Uh, his name was Trujillo, uh, opened the doors of the country for humanitarian purposes. He was hardly a humanitarian. But there wasn't a whiff of uh, anti-Semitism in the DR, and the Jewish uh, people who settled there uh, did so unmolested and built lives and uh, businesses. That's so interesting. I just, could you speak a little bit more about the leader there? In other words, uh, what kind of an did they did he allow free enterprise, uh, the the exchange of ideas, free speech, and so forth? Uh, the dictator's name was Rafael Trujillo, and uh, before he's done, he'll be in power for for quite a long time. But um, uh, he had a reputation of brutality against uh, neighboring Haitians. From Haiti. Uh, In fact, just a year before he opened the door to uh, Jews, uh, uh, armed men under his command uh, killed about 20,000 Haitians. Uh, so he was a pretty brutal dictator. And it, his motivation for allowing Jewish refugees to come may have been uh, a PR move to sort of uh, make amends for the bad publicity he got over the Haitian affair. Or it may have been a bid to attract Jewish money from New York. Uh, who knows? But he was hardly a humanitarian. But the bottom line is uh, he left the Jews alone once they came, and the other people of the Dominican Republic uh, embraced them, and they had safe haven, those who were able to make it from uh, the Holocaust. Well, again, just a reminder that uh, of uh, the persecution of the Jews, it was just unbelievable at the time. And... Uh, uh, to, to think about the, the hor horrible acts that have occurred as a result of the Holocaust, it's just unimaginable, and uh, hopefully we can never repeat this again, although there's uh, religious persecution all over the world right now. Yes, there is, and Christians are taking the brunt of it, actually, yeah. and uh, it's a, a terrible shame that it's uh, happening in more and more countries, it seems. So uh, this was a dangerous time, as it was in the 30s, 
Uh, fortunately, there's nobody like Hitler around with the kind of uh, war machine that he was able to build. But still, there are a lot of nasty things and bad people uh, in all parts of the world. Absolutely. Again, uh, Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. I encourage you to, this column you'll find on uh, the website fee.org. Encourage, again, if you have a young person in your life, high school or a college age, introduce them to this terrific organization. Larry, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He's the uh, retired a couple of years and moved to Lancaster from Washington, D.C., and now he's writing murder mysteries, and they are fantastic. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies going into the legislature. Terrific organization. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Uh, he also is now retired, moved to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, beautiful area, and he's writing murder mysteries, and they are fabulous. His first is Follow the Leader, the second is Shake the Money Tree, and his the last in there, its sequel is uh, No Problem. Uh, again, Jim McTagg, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. I, I've been having a good laugh. You know, I read the New York Times, so you don't have to. So Sunday, uh, one of their op-ed writers, uh, Ross, uh, it, it looks like do do that is his name, D-O-U-T-H-A-T, but he pronounces it Dalvalt. But anyway, he had a column about, gee, the economy is so great and inflation is slowing. Why isn't Biden so popular? Or why, you know, why is he so unpopular? And I really had to laugh. These people are so out of touch. Uh -huh. So, for for example, you mentioned I live in beautiful Lancaster County. There's an adjoining county, Chester County, which is equally lovely. Yeah. And uh, they've had a, a, a manhunt going on there for days for a, an illegal immigrant named Danilo Cavalcante, a multiple murderer who escaped from prison. And, and they can't catch him. So he's all over Pennsylvania. So that's created a, 
you know, people are focusing on illegal immigration, runaway crime, uh, and we're in Lancaster County, God's country. Um, uh, I look at uh, the popularity of Jason Aldea's song, Try That in a Small Town, about, you know, if you tried to loot a store in a small town like you do in Los Angeles, you're probably going to get your butt kicked. Right. that tells me that uh, the crime in the blue cities, the barbarism that's exploded in the blue cities as they've relaxed uh, law enforcement and attacked the police, is affecting, is being watched by people in flyover country, and they're very upset about it. Um, as to the economy being good, two things. First, you know, when we had the stimulus packages, it amounts to giving people lots of free money, and suddenly we have taken it away. So although the rate of inflation is slowing, prices are still very, very high. Yep. Uh, although there are lots of jobs and, and, you know, the minimum wage is like 16 or $17 an hour, it's still not a lo- enough to get beyond living paycheck to paycheck. And I'm reading in papers today in the New York Times again, that child care, no longer subsidized by the federal government, has become so expensive that uh, in New York it's uh, $50,000, $60,000 a year wow. for child care. Um, and the reason is, uh, now that the government is no longer subsidizing this, the mom-and-pop operations can't make money, so they're closing. Something like 75000 Child care services, largely in the inner city, are closing. So, so there's, you know, parents can't afford to go back to work and, and pay for for child care. So, um, well, of course, it's, that it's probably a, supports the whole notion that people are going to work. They're actually working at home. Seventy-five uh, percent of uh, the government real estate in Washington D.C. is vacant because, of course, the, every desk is filled with uh, somebody who works at the U.S. government, or most of them, uh, but they just don't show up. <laughs> they, they still don't show up. Yeah, I, you know, don't get me started there. I used to live inside the Beltway, and I I would hear stories. You know, a contractor told me, and and this was. Uh, years ago, but I'm sure it would be true today. He went into the Department of Education, and half the people in one office had pillows, and, and they were sleeping at their desks. Yeah, uh, and he said to the manager, "Why don't you fire these people?" And the manager said, uh, "I can't because the union will sue me, and the federal government gives me no protection against employee lawsuits. So, so you know, I just let them sleep all day." So a lot of these federal programs, HUD, the Department of Education, uh, their jobs programs uh, for for, uh, Washington, D.C. And, and, uh, you know, Washington, D.C. is probably the most powerful city-state since Athens. And it just sucks up your tax money and and leaks it away. But, Uh. but um, But, you know, Biden excuse my French, is a half-assed fiasco machine. Everything he touches is a disaster from Afghanistan going forward. Uh, the G20 meeting this week was a total disaster. Yeah. <laughs> he, he ended up giving a speech last night in Vietnam and apparently said, well, I'm going to bed. <laughs> yes, he, 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 he also said something like, uh, welcome Vietnam. I mean, he quoted... Robin uh, oh, Williams, yeah. you know, from a movie about the Vietnam War. So uh, he, well, there's another thing scaring the public. You know, he's soft in the head. He's unlikely to finish a second term. And then you have Kamala Harris in, in the wi- wings. Um, I saw a poll. This, if Trump dropped out of the race, which is not going to happen, but this says it all. If Trump dropped out of a race, the polling shows that uh, Nikki Haley would beat Biden and Chris Christie would beat Biden. So, so that's how much he is disliked in yeah. this country. That that you know the Republicans could throw up virtually anybody, and they would beat Biden. Uh, your guy Ramaswamy, by the way, wouldn't beat Biden. 
Well, he's not exactly my guy, I would have to say, <laughs> but but I, I I think he's a very interesting candidate. I think he enriches the the uh, situation tremendously because of his intellect and his ideas. But I, I certainly don't support him. Trump, I don't know if you had a chance to see any of his rally in uh, Cedar Rapids on Saturday, and then of course he goes to the football game in the Iowa Iowa State game. He goes to a frat house beforehand. He's flipping burgers, throwing footballs, and telling the people are going insane with excitement <laughs> seeing him there. At you know, uh, there's Trump. I think what's her name? I forgot her name now. The former head of the DNC. Uh, she said that uh, he's a, he's a. This is a movement. It's not just a candidate. It's a movement. And I yeah, you know, I'm a never-Trumper, but I have to agree. Uh, you know, I, I saw another headline today, and, and I think it's very accurate that Trump has actually picked up uh, more support. You know, the conventional wisdom is that his base has eroded, uh, and it, it it seems to be uh, quite the opposite that he's that he's picking up uh, a new following. And I also think a lot of that is due to the uh, obvious. Uh, misuse of uh, lawsuits and, and, and prosecutions by the, by the Democrats. I mean, this whole Hunter Biden fiasco is one of the biggest scandals ever to hit Washington, and the liberal press tries to sweep it under the rug. Like, uh, uh, oh, another thing they sweep under the rug, the uh, governor of New Mexico claiming that uh, she can suspend the Constitution. How about uh, that? Isn't that absurd? I mean, uh, hopefully people are going to take quick action. I think there's even a move to impeach her as a consequence. Yeah, she said she didn't even have to follow her oath in office. But the, but the interesting thing is that stories in the New York Times and the Washington Post about her uh, attempts to curb uh, uh, a gun carriage you know, in the streets in New Mexico uh, didn't mention her comments about the Constitution at all, as if it was just too unimportant to mention. So, I, again, I think this is why Trump is gaining, uh, becoming more popular, yeah. because people realize that, that the, the left is a, a totalitarian regime that's trying to brainwash us. You know, I think about uh, Biden now wanting to form a relationship with Venezuela to get oil, crude oil, from uh, from Venezuela as opposed to drilling for it. Now, what's the difference to the economy, whether we drill for it here or drill for it in Venezuela? Makes no sense whatsoever. But uh, again, these ideas are so convoluted and so stupid. And, uh, you know, besides that, carbon dioxide is plant food. <laughs> There's, there's never been any proof that carbon dioxide is harming, uh, an increase in carbon dioxide is, is harming the planet. Yeah, well, I'm cynical about Venezuela because uh, that country is the source of a lot of illegal immigration to this country. Sure. And I, I thought it might have been some kind of a payola deal to the leadership of Venezuela to, to curb uh, people leaving the country. You know, and, and for me, uh, Joe Biden... Uh, is Mr. Paola? I mean, he, you know, he's he's up to the, in the Hunter Biden, uh, yeah, fiasco. To, he's you, up you, into it to, to his chin. Yeah, you brought up uh, Hunter Biden, but I, you know, frankly, I don't care what happens to Hunter Biden. The real the real issue here is Joe Biden, and I think now statistics and, and uh, evidence from the Department of uh, Treasury is in, in all these uh, warnings about the uh, uh, checks that have been written or the money going back and forth is uh, up to $50 million has been paid to the Biden and his family through these transactions. So uh, it, the story gets worse and worse and worse. Now, Hunter Biden, you know, <laughs> frankly, he, he if he's a committed crimes, he should be punished. That's fine. But the real problem is if we have a, a president who's been compromised, uh, in, uh, internationally, he should he needs to be impeached. He shouldn't be the president of the United States. Well, plus the fact that he he deliberately misused the office of vice president to promote his son. I don't care if he didn't get a penny, but he misused the office to try to advance his son's career. Uh, that's a crime. So uh, you know, whether he got a, a penny, uh, he he did it to. Uh, you know, help a family member uh, get ahead. He, he just, he ignored ethics, he ignored the law, and I agree with you, he should be impeached. Jim McTagg, again, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of many books. His latest is 
quote unquote, no problem. I hope you get a copy. It's a great read. Jim, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure, Jim. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. Again, I want to remind you of the uh, uh, meeting today. It's going to be a uh, uh, candlelight ceremony vigil at Freedom Memorial Park at 1515 Golden Gate Parkway, uh, 630 to 830 uh, p.m. I hope you'll consider paying homage uh, to those that were lost during 9-11. Hope you tune in uh, tomorrow. we got some great guests lined up for you as well. And I really appreciate your patronage, your uh, watching and listening to the show. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>